It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Niker. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. Today, joining me, you know, he's a fan favorite. Everyone loves him very much. It's Simpson Folk. How you doing? I'm doing good. Can I can I ask you a question? Okay. Go Do for you it. Think, so I record a lot of podcasts. Mm-hmm. And now this season started recording video podcasts. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's unprofessional that you can see my closet in the background? Listen, it's the Toronto life. You I, know? You have art though. Yeah, well, this is like, this is a bachelor apartment. So in view is almost half the apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I live in a a seven bedroom house. Um, There's just me living here. There's oddly nine baths. Um, It's the biggest house in Rexdale, actually. It's the biggest house in in Rexdale. Yeah. Seven bedrooms. Yeah. So you're in a basement of a mansion is what you're saying. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I chose the smallest house to so that I wouldn't forget my grind. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I had roommates, I used to set up in my uh, in my closet, and you could kind of see a bit of the clothes in the background. Yeah, when I when I had roommates, I used to I had this weird like walk-in closet that had a built-in desk in the closet. And then I used to record my my podcasts there. Actually, I just recently, I forgot, I recently had my third year anniversary of the Buckets and Tea NBA show, which was really cool. I, uh, I started this podcast just before the pandemic. Uh, it's a terrible time to start an NBA podcast. <laughs> but I did and, you know, kept it going. And then I've been with Raptors Republic for a bit over a year. So, you know. I started out in a closet. Wow. Which which is better, with Raptors Republic or without it? Well, with. You know, it's a hmm. wider reach for sure. Hmm. And then there's and then there's Lee. Shout out to Lee who helps me uh, upload these episodes. So a bit less work for me, which is appreciated. Although the only reason he's doing it is because I truly don't know how. So like I had to ask Zarar to assign someone to me um the 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 it's a bit more complicated here than it is just uploading audio which is what i used to do do you like that there's like a a video interface now um yeah i think it's good like it's good for social media for sure i mean i have to like think about what i look like now or before i used to look like a total bum and it didn't matter Hmm. you know then it's like it gets you i guess an early start to your day maybe or yeah. this probably isn't the start of your day. Maybe that's this just is not me. the start of my day. It's three p.m. But I wake up late, <laughs> like a schlub. Every I, day. I I messaged Samson and I was like, "Are you available late afternoon?" And he said, "I actually don't know what that means." He's like, "We're gonna be real honest here. I don't know what late afternoon means." Yeah, I afternoon 
evening, it seems more or less interchangeable to me. I don't know, like early evening, late afternoon. Is that the same time frame? Uh, I consider early evening like 5 p.m. Hmm. And what's late afternoon? Like 3 p.m. So there's only, so what is 4 p.m.? Is that like a, a liminal space that we don't acknowledge or know? Oh, I would consider that. Well, yeah, I don't know. See, the limitations of these naming conventions are already being seen on this basketball podcast. Wow. Well, we're getting off to a, a real <laughs> strong start here. Um, appreciate that you wrote Catherine fan as your as your name tag. That's very sweet of you. I'm a fan of Catherine Hepburn mm -hmm. usually, but also you. Wow. Yeah. Okay, there we go. Well, thanks. Okay, um, okay we're going to do NBA topics first and then get into Raptor stuff as we always do here. Um, so there's uh, a lot of NBA and BPA, which is the Players Association uh, negotiations at the moment. They're trying to reach a new labor agreement by the end of the month. That's their opt-out date is March 31st. I guess like how it works is that if they can't come to an agreement, they have till the end of June. And then if they still can't come to an agreement, then there's a lockout. Do mm -hmm. I have that right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a few uh, issues on the docket. Um, there's luxury tax issues. There's uh, the one and done rule, which is does a player have to do one year in college or can they come in right out of high school? The NBA is looking into having players come in straight from high school again. And of course, there's loan management. I'm wondering, Samson, between all these issues, issues, uh, which one, what do you think is kind of the most crucial in these negotiations right now? Probably anything to do with payment is always what I think concerns the ownership and the labor the most. And as somebody who is like staunchly pro-labor in, I think, basically any scenario, especially in this one, you have to be careful you see it happen in the MLB. What the MLB does is they kind of circumvent the amount of money they're spending by spending outside of it. For example, like MLB parks put their restaurants outside the park. So technically it doesn't count as revenue. So technically it doesn't have to be shared, like stuff like that. And, and labor isn't really as, I guess, pervasive in trying to skirt you know, the, these type of regulations or anything like that. They're, they're typically just trying to get the, the percentage that they feel that they're owed. And that's probably why they're more of a stickler for any type of upper spending limit, any type of cap, because they're afraid that it'll negatively impact players' salaries. And on the one hand, I think there's certain types of players that don't want the upper limit to be impacted because they want it to scale so that like the best players get paid a lot, a lot, a lot. Because the NBA currently is, it's kind of socialist in nature in that as far as the value that a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith brings to the NBA, as far as marketability, how much money he brings in, all this kind of stuff, probably isn't in terms of like the actuality as much as he gets paid per salary. LeBron James gets, what, $39 million a year or something like that. But his overall value to the Lakers is probably closer to like $250 million a year or something like that. So he subsidizes the rest of the Lakers so the guys like Austin Reeves can make way more money. And I hope that that is maintained by the players so that they can continue to uplift the bottom of the league. Mm 
and perhaps even a little bit more into the G League, incoming rookies, second rounder, stuff like that. And um, because they get a lot of opportunities to earn with like advertisements and uh-huh. sponsorships and stuff like that. So th- I guess I would just say that I hope the players get a better deal than they currently have. And I hope that they continue to protect the players who don't make as much by subsidizing them with, you know, the exorbitant contracts at the top or the exorbitant value at the top as far as like the the tax goes. The one and done stuff, I think uh, it makes probably a little bit less sense now that athletes are able to make money off of their likeness. But I still think that the NCAA as a whole is quite predatory in how they profit off of the college students. So one and done, um, if they do away with it, I'm fine with that. But as they kind of uh, stipulated in, you know, the, the coverage around this changing aspect of the league is like making sure that veterans of the NBA aren't pushed out as early and that they're brought on in more of like a, a veteran role capacity or something like that. And I think that's good too. I think it's the awareness as we see young, young men come into the NBA and um, you have to protect their ability to keep growing as humans and you still have to incubate them to some degree, not by controlling them or whatever, but providing decent leadership and people who've been around and know like the certain pitfalls of the lifestyle and all that kind of stuff, be it, be it financial or ethical or anything like that. So I think that's mostly my take on all of it. I hope the players get more money. And um, people should probably be able to make it to the NBA out of high school if they so choose. And, and also, the last thing I'll say is that that aspect of it will make colleges have to be more competitive in what they offer students uh-huh. um, or prospective students. And that's also better. It just makes it more competitive in that uh, aspect. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I don't know how much I trust the NBA to like sort of like i don't know coddle isn't quite the right word but like bringing these high schoolers you know or these recent graduates into the nba and being like no we're gonna protect you and we're gonna protect you from the lifestyle blah blah blah. don't apps i do not believe that to be true i mean i do think we've made great strides over the last decade in terms of helping players avoid things like bankruptcy like there's that great espn documentary called broke that came out about a decade ago and i think that was super eye-opening in terms of just being more Mm -hmm. financially and fiscally personally responsible and i definitely think that will be true but i think the lifestyle part of it just kind of is what it is and they're just going to get really exposed uh you know a yeah literally a year younger than they already than they already are i think do you do you think maybe it would be in their best interest if they just put them in front of a camera and ask them why girls run the world Yeah, I mean, it, it is highly possible that there are men one year younger than uh, Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn that have better answers than what they gave. You know, I do think that is possible. Can I say? Yeah. I might, I might be giving them too much uh, slack here, but mm-hmm. I don't blame Malachi or Precious or Scotty. And by the way, Scotty's answer was like a meme basically like yeah. there's no it's it's as vapid as they come although it's not as bad as malachi's and Precious's, but it's like this canned <laughs> edited response that they're like prompted and i think that's really unfair to them like I, I strictly genuinely believe this is like an organizational failing not a malachi precious scotty failing because it's like it's it's a big 
answer. Well, the, first the, of all, the, it's both. It's both. This is the slack thing. Perhaps I'm giving too much. Yeah, I think one thing maybe people don't always realize is like when you see like a, a edited clip like this from like a large organization, so many people are involved. So many people are involved. So a lot of people really drop the ball on this. I'm kind of glad that it's going a little viral. Like uh, what's her name? Molly. Is it Molly Morrison on, on Twitter? Somebody like that. She has a ton of followers. Anyway, she's just like a very pretty girl that talks about basketball all the time. Like she retweeted it and stuff like that. Anyway, I, uh, I should just like change my Twitter profile pic to just some hot generic girl and <laughs> Just only doing about the NBA. I really think that would help the podcast. But anyway, <laughs> all of that aside, um, yeah, it's a failing on everyone's part. Even the question is terrible. Like Beyonce said, you know, women mm -hmm. run the world. Why do you think that is? First of all, it's aspirational. Sure. I don't even run Raptors Republic. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? It's aspirational. Do you, do you want to? No, but I'm the only girl here. <laughs> so there's also that, you know, it, I just think like the whole thing is just performative and lousy. Like, can I also know? say quickly, mm -hmm. if there are any women, girls listening out there, uh, Raptors Republic is always looking for female voices. Lewis is always reaching out. It's been tough to find women who want to write about basketball, but also if you're interested in like doing like, TikToks, YouTube videos, anything like that, whatever you want to do, if you're listening and that's something you're interested in pursuing this as a career path or as a hobby or whatever, um, reach out. Samsonfolk at gmail.com, lewis.zatsman at gmail.com. Um, Lewis is like a fantastic editor. We're happy to look at anything if this is something you want to do. And we will support your um, venture into it as much as we possibly can. So just a, a heads up if anybody is interested. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's really just a random plug, real, you know, side segue, uh, taking over my podcast. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's actually very nice, Samson. I really appreciate you saying that. It's absolutely true. I did reach out to Lewis with my show and he listened to it and liked it and picked it up. And that's how I got to Raptors Republic. Um, you know, I think just having like an existing thing or just something that you're trying to do and, and reaching out to people, everyone's a lot more accessible than you think. So um, definitely do that. Also, like, uh, I think Lewis has his email on his Twitter profile. Yeah, as do I. Yeah, so you can check out their Twitter as well to get their emails. Um, yeah, but see, like something like that is like genuine and and is the kind of thing that should happen around, you know, now we're calling it Women's Month. Like it used to be just International Women's Day. So now we've turned it into a month. That's progress. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like I think just asking players like, oh, like why do women run the world? It's like you're just it's already fake from the beginning, you yeah. know? Um, and <laughs> only say procreation is so wild. I, when you go into like the, you know, like, like you're like your mom book. gave birth and just left you to the rest. She just left you for everything else on your own. It's that's why. And now like, this is, again, I feel free to quibble with this. This may be my ignorance, but I think it's a very complex topic to answer properly. Like it's, it shouldn't be a soundbite. Like women's value, women 
Why do they run the world? Why are women important? Is like a very complex layered conversation <laughs> and saying like, hey, answer this like so we can make a 12 second TikTok with three different answers to me is insane. Like, I feel yeah, like it's, I keep, it's flawed from the very beginning for sure. I feel like I feel like I keep up with the conversations, the latest conversations around women and like feminist theory and this kind of stuff. And I would have trouble answering that in like a five second clip. You know what I mean? And that's not to say like they answered it about as bad as you possibly can, especially with, you know, um, trans women being like a bigger part of the conversation now too. the fact that they immediately went to procreation mm-hmm. as like that's well, also just like there's also <laughs> cisgendered women who can't always procreate. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Or yeah. not even the ability to the want to right? like your value yeah, isn't yeah. inherently connected to anything like that. But it's um, I feel like the organization set their players up to fail in that. And they didn't help themselves either, which is tough. But yeah, that's what I mean. It's a failure all around. Uh, But a funny viral thing that uh, (laughs) hopefully, uh, you know, will hopefully be a lesson learned. Let's put it that way. Uh, Mm -hmm. Hopefully, you know not not hanging on to a ton of hope here but hopefully (laughs) is a lesson learned for them and and i think uh more productive content around this would be like you know creating opportunities you know encouraging people to reach out things like that i think are are actually more helpful than just being like yay women you know like actually you know things that are actionable is what i'm saying um didn't pass the bechdel test turns out Unfortunately, <laughs> no, it didn't. <laughs> uh, uh, but love that you wanted to talk about it. Um, I think I even retweeted your your tweet about it because I thought it was funny. Um, there, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, what a disaster. Uh, I did want to talk a little bit more about these negotiations because uh, in this article, so I was reading an article from Forbes and another one from the Associated Press, and the whole load management issue is being buried as other other issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why is this being buried as, quote, other issues? Isn't this not a large issue that the league is facing right now? I think the league is trying to downplay how big of an issue they really think this is because it is one that fans feel the impact of more directly in terms of like buying tickets, going to games. There's so much conversation around having fewer games a season um, for, you know, in order to put for players to play more and be rested less, things like that. Is this not a top priority in these negotiations? So the interesting aspect is that anything I've read on this, anything that I've seen covering this, people that I've talked to around health in the NBA, the conventional wisdom seems to be that NBA players are coming into the league way with way more tread on their body, way more tread on knees, on joints, and stuff like that. And it starts with how often they play basketball as children. The year-round basketball aspect of it and, you know, eight games in a weekend, every weekend, four games during the week. You play with your high school team. You play with your AAU circuit. You go to college. You play. You work out all summer. NBA players are so much like the game. The players are way better now than they used to be. 
like the skill development is in a crazy place, but the conditioning is also in a crazy place too. There's so much wear and tear on their bodies to get to this elite level. You know, how do you put the the cap back in the bag? Because you don't want the pro- you don't want the the product to get worse. You don't want players to stop developing skills as rapidly to to stop achieving some of these incredible athletic feats. But it's also that like this striving natural scale that we're seeing with all this stuff is what breaks down the bodies in addition to heavy minutes, all that kind of stuff. So I don't know how you navigate this or circumvent this because everything that I've seen, I could be wrong. The people I talk to could be wrong, but everything I've seen seems to suggest that this isn't even something that the NBA can necessarily fix. This is something that's like from the top down, once you start playing basketball, you are part of this conversation. If you plan on being good, playing it professionally in the future, it's just like your body really can't keep up. And that's tough. I don't know how you, how you legislate for that accordingly as the NBA. Right. Because, you know, they don't have any authority over these minor leagues. So how can they ask them to adjust? But then do they then adjust? I mean, is this why Pascal Siakam can handle so many minutes? Because he didn't start playing till he was like 17 or something, right? I, it would, you couldn't say it just based on I was one joking. Thing. I was joking. No, but th- there could be, I'm <laughs> sure, I'm sure like you could find somebody who would say, I think there's a correlation there. Like somebody who's in the know right. would say, yes, I think that's a factor. And he just happens to be really great as far as like, he's a kinetic savant. He can do things athletically quicker, learn things quicker, apply them quicker than most people. Like his, his development curve is crazy, but also he doesn't have the same amount of wear and tear on his body to get to point A so that he can get like the New Mexico State um, mm-hmm. scholarship and all that kind of stuff. So I, man... It's really, really tough. And this is kind of the, you know, football is a blood sport. MMA, blood sport. And basketball certainly isn't that. But there's a physical toll to competing here. And obviously they're paid extremely well. well. one of the more athletic sports for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of explosiveness. Like mm-hmm. uh, there's, it puts, it puts a lot of stress on the body and I don't know how you circumvent it, but there, there is a, there's a physical toll being paid by the players and they get paid very handsomely to pay that physical toll, but it's still something that the league has to be cognizant of, but I don't know how they fix it. Especially me. I'm just a schlub. I mean, I would be shocked if we went through this whole negotiation process and nothing happened because I mean, you have people like Steve Kerr, for example, in Cleveland you know, sitting out as top guys like this is before Steph Curry was injured and then fully saying in the press conference, we should have fewer games this season. Like, is that just going to keep happening and happening? Like, you know, and I was I was listening to Bill Simmons. I know not all of us like Bill Simmons, but, you know, he was talking about how like, you know, David Stern in his era would have absolutely intervened and like said something or done something. And, and Adam Silver has a very, very hands off approach in comparison and which is that much I, I do think is true. And I just feel like you can't just keep going without setting some sort of like boundaries or 
or I don't know if they're going to make people announce what games in advance, but then that affects ticket sales. I don't really have the answers. I just feel like if they leave it alone, this thing's just going to keep growing and growing. Yeah, that's that's probably like this. This is one of those cases where it's easy to diagnose what's going wrong. The prognosis is where it gets really difficult. Yeah. How do you, how do you correct this state of affairs? And also, how do you, how do you get owners? Because that's you know that's the big one probably. Players, you tell them we're not going to change your salary, and you're going to play less games. I'm sure you get a yes, like a resounding yes, right? Especially since LeBron James is a huge part of the players, and he's already set the points record. And if they play less games, he might just keep, keep that forever. Um, but as far as the players, they would say yes to that almost assuredly. They they said yes to the longer All Star weekend. They say yes. They'd say yes to a longer off season. They'd say yes to all this stuff. But the owners asking them to take less profit because even even if the I guess I don't know the attendance goes up marginally for other games, if you're losing like twelve games, that's like twelve games. Even if it's kind of meager attendance, it's it's a lot of money you're missing out on. So I, I don't I don't feel or empathize with the owner's position there. Uh-huh. But I understand that, like, they're going to be the thing that holds this up. And that's why I don't know how they navigate it, really. It's tough. Yeah, it is tough because if there's fewer games a season, I could only imagine what the tickets would cost. Right? <laughs> well, selfishly, long, selfishly, though. I'm just like, I mean, are people going to pay like $400 a ticket to be in the 300s? Like, I don't know. Well, I think like the Raptors are one of the worst. They're like a top five most expensive ticket in the NBA. Some yeah. teams, you go there, you like forty bucks, you're in it. You like a sixty dollar oh, yeah. bowl ticket. You know, go see like John Morant or something. Like I, that. I went to a game once in Detroit, and it was fifty dollars for my ticket. Where where'd you sit? Uh, oh, I was in the nosebleeds, mm. but it was still like it was fifty dollars. Yeah. Versus like 200. It's I don't know. Pretty good. It was really fun, actually. I recommend it. Um, was that, and you fought Ron Artest at the time? That was. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was an old man <laughs> who threw my beer at Ron Artest. Um, no, okay. I mean, that's cool. I just wanted to get your take on that. I know that's like really nerdy NBA stuff, but I just feel like it's bubbling over and I'm just. Uh, I get curious about that kind of stuff at mm-hmm. least. Um, okay. Another viral clip this week was just a ton of ESPN analysts, quote unquote analysts, uh, claiming that the Lakers would beat the Nuggets if they got to face each other in a first round. First of all, LeBron James is injured, and I don't even know if this team's making the playoffs, let alone the play in at this point. As of this recording, I believe they sit 13th unless – that changed last night but uh do you agree with them because i'm shocked i'm Wait, shocked what which analyst was this was it kendrick perkins or something no it was it was mark spears uh ramona shelbourne uh and vince carter hmm i so the lakers i guess are oh like... they're actually 11th right now yeah, but, but LeBron's gone for three weeks, so that's yeah tough. I and three weeks is basically what you're gonna have like maybe five, six games left in the season by the time mm-hmm. he gets back. Hmm. 
I, I don't know if they make the playoffs. But as far as I, I understand the urge to see the Lakers as like this team with latent ability to like kick ass because they have LeBron, they have Anthony Davis, Jared Vanderbilt and Malik Beasley and D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and players like that are like range from just below all-star level to being good role players. I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers, if they had everybody healthy and they were humming, if they took a few games off of anybody and beat some teams in playoff series. But the Nuggets, if they're healthy, I think are probably going to be like this, the second or third best team in the West. And they they probably would have been my first if it wasn't for the Suns getting KD. So I probably they're don't agree with that. the best team in the West and uh, mm-hmm. the Grizzlies are six games behind them. Yeah. Oh, they, they win a lot of games. And um, in a playoff series, I, I think I would choose Phoenix over them, but I don't think I could be compelled to choose any other team to beat the Nuggets, especially if they have their health. They're really diverse uh-huh. in their approach. They, they play better defense than most people think. And Nikola Jokic is really fantastic. Like, he's, he's such a good player. So I probably don't agree with that, but... I was I, just shocked and annoyed because I was like, it is literally their full-time job. And well, they get paid well to to know what the hell's going on in the league. And you're telling me that you have no idea what is happening with the best team in the West. They've been the best team in the West all season long just because they're Denver. It's so annoying. So there's like a, a famous quote to describe politicians. It's like someone <laughs> someone won't see why they're wrong or what's wrong if it is in their best interest or they are paid to see it differently. And as far as being one of those shows like Ramona Shelburne and Vince Carter, as much as I love the guy and Mark Spears is like, it's, it's not even necessarily infotainment. It's just entertainment. You know, it's like Tucker Carlson with Fox news. They, they had to go to court and argue that he wasn't actually news. So he couldn't get, you know, his pants suit off. They had to argue he's just an entertainer. And that's the news. That's like the most watched telecast in America, right? Uh-huh. And they said, no, no, this isn't real. This is just entertainment legally. For our listeners, this is important news. And the ESPN is kind of the same thing, right? It's If you want to understand a team, you do have to go to the local level. There's a few people who pay attention to the league at large, and they do an okay job, but they're mostly missing everything. And that's I think just because of the way that sports coverage has turned into, you know, it's, it's trans internet, like it's just massive and you want everybody who takes in sports coverage, they don't want to engage with it as meaningfully as many other people do. So what they want to do is they want somebody who is covers the league and the person who covers the league can tell them who will win and can tell them all about the league. And it's just like a quick, easy answer because you don't want to follow six different teams in the West and follow their beat writer, you know, whoever it is. And like, maybe it's Candace Buckner for like the wizards back when she was like the wizards person, right? Maybe it's Tim McMahon. If you're the Lakers or whatever, maybe it's Blake Murphy back when he was doing the Raptors. Like I'm tuning in with all these people. It's a big ask to take in that much information knowledge. So you just take the quickest, easiest thing, which is like three people sitting on a panel who are like, oh, yeah, I cover the league. And it's like, they don't really. They watch like three games a week. 
and they're talking about stuff that they don't watch. <laughs> and if they are informed, it's because they heard somebody who was informed, probably who covers the team, say it. And yeah, that's kind I mean, of where we're at. You think like, you know, even at that sad level that you have described, one of those three games would be with the top team in the Western Conference. Yeah, but also you can't contextualize games like the Raptors, right? They, they've been much better. Like how, how do you, how do you make sense of the Raptors being a much better team with Jakob Pertl? But the fact that they went three and zero versus a very good team, the Cavs, when they didn't have Pertl, when they were losing to a bunch of other teams, but they got blown out when they had Pertl versus the Cavs and your view perception of a team can be so vastly changed by just one game. If you're not tuning into that many, and so maybe they just saw a bad Denver game and they once again are like, oh yeah, Jokic. They did have a really bad game against the Grizzlies. They really just like didn't right. show up that night. And and it, it could be something as simple as that. It's, it's, it is like really vapid. It isn't in-depth. It isn't considerate or anything like that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's entertainment, so it doesn't matter that much. But also, I think you have to understand and you have to make your peace with the fact that like if you're watching – an ESPN panel or any other, whether it's or like Fox with Skip and Shannon or something like that, or first take is like, these guys are just yelling. The, and, and the women are being like quieter because that's the way they run it. And, <laughs> but they're not really adding anything with like more tangible value as far as insights. It's just like, no, I did make a tweet the other day just being like, I can't wait till Molly from First Take gets to finish a sentence. Yeah. Like that poor girl hasn't completed a sentence on television without being interrupted since 2016. I promise you, it's so sad. I wonder I wonder if that's like catharsis for men watching that like they don't actually care. <laughs> She's constantly shut up. That they don't really care about what's being said. They're just like, when she gets interrupted, they're like, yes, you know, like take a shot or whatever. <laughs> it probably is. I don't think I could do that job. No, it'd be extremely frustrating. I could probably yeah. do it, you know, but uh, I'd have to be paid really well. And I'm sure she is. So I guess there's that. I mean, I would be paid. Yeah, I'd have to be paid very well. And I'm sure she is. But also at some point I would just stop taking it seriously like I would just start sentences knowing I wasn't even going to finish it. Exactly. And then, and then if they'd let me finish it, I would point out how shocked I am. So half the, like I would make a like game of, like I would make a game of it. Mm -hmm. Like I, mean, I would have to be in on it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe she is, you know, maybe she has her fun in her own way. I don't, I don't watch that stuff. So I don't really know, but. Well, you know what, Samson? I really thought I was going to get a funny answer from you, and I got the most serious, thoughtful answer. And I'm I think feeling, that's a that's a good thing. I'm feeling very earnest today. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and maybe it's because of your weird mug. It could be. You showed me. You showed me your mug earlier. It's bizarre. It's a good mug. <laughs> it's such a good mug. Well, this is buckets and tea, so we should see the mug. There's a woman, there's a guy stealing her thoughts. Oh. 
And the first thing I said was the thoughts are empty. Like if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see there's absolutely nothing in the thought bubble. It's completely void. Yeah, but you fill that with whatever you want. It's kind of like, you know, you make your own. Sure, sure. Yeah. Sure. Unless you just think it's like a person with empty thoughts stealing another person's empty thoughts. No, I just like to think of it as like he's not actually getting away with something. But, you know, this this is a funny mug because it's this is something that happens. You see, I'm going to mansplain the concept. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to leave that there. (laughs) Okay, um, Damian Lillard scored 71 points uh, earlier this week. Uh, Congrats to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I asked you who's next. I'm greedy now. I want more players scoring 71 points. Who knew we'd have two this season? Uh, I kind of asked this question after um, Donovan Mitchell did it, but I, but my question was who was going to score over 50 next, which because we had so many games with players scoring over 50. Um, but do you think we'll have another 70-point game? Not necessarily this season, but uh, you know maybe it's next season. Uh, who Who do you think could reach that milestone i actually think it would probably be can my answer be somebody that's already done it and just they do it again sure i wouldn't be surprised if donovan mitchell did it again genuinely he's his pull up three and the fact that like when he gets blitzed he's one of the best at beating blitzes with a live dribble without passing it because what happens when the guy starts scoring a lot of points we saw with dame is the other team, they want to get the ball out of his hands. And Donovan Mitchell is a guy who can kind of skirt that, and he shoots well enough, and he he finishes well enough. I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again, but I don't know. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Because Embiid maybe is a, some, a guy who hasn't done it, but he's gotten, I believe he went north of 60. At the yeah, start of he the did. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went for 70 again, especially yeah. since free throws typically help those. Embiid's actually a really good pick. Um, I like that too. I, uh, you know, I think before like the pick was kind of like Luca, like everyone thought like Luca could do this. I do think Luca is very capable, but now that Kyrie's there, I don't know if that'll happen or not. Um, but yeah, I, I do think Luca's very capable of that. I also think Jokic is very capable. I don't know why I'm so high on Denver and no one else is, but you know, I mean, this guy could win a third MVP. In Would a Jokic row. take that many shots, though? That's like my holdup. No, he's good, too I'm much certain. of a passer. But I do think he's had a fifty-point game. I could actually be wrong about that. I haven't looked that up, so I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sure if he has. You're right. He would he would pass the ball too much. It's not his goal. It's not in his DNA to be a seventy-point guy. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess my answer is Luca, which is kind of a lame answer, actually. I think that one has a reasonable chance of happening. As much as any 70-point performance, there's, what, like maybe like five or six in the history of the NBA. Mm -hmm. So even though there's been two this year, it's not like the likelihood of it happening doesn't seem to be 
that much, but mm-hmm. maybe just the fact that Donovan did it and then Dame. I think did it's it. just because it's such a tanking year. Yeah. That that's why it happened. I mean, even when when Kobe got eighty one, it was on. It was against us during one of the worst years in our history. It was. I was actually looking at that the other day with the leg, and um, it was like Smush Parker, Chris Mim, Kwame Brown, Kobe Bryant, and Lamar Odom. That was the starting five, uh-huh. and Kobe obviously did not want. Smush, Kwame, or Chris shooting a bunch of shots. Uh-huh. And the the overall talent in the league is so much better now that, you know, it's you probably wouldn't get 80, I don't think. Because your other teammates would be too good, perhaps. Too capable. Well, and I think, like, we just, we space the floor differently now than was in 2004. And defenses are more sprawling now. Like, there was a time when, like, certain players wouldn't go that far outside of the key to defend a player. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of that's changed. So, yeah, I think the average scoring in the NBA during the 2000, like the 2000 to 2010, I believe was like 102 or 99. One of the two is so low scoring. Now it's 114. The average team scores Mm -hmm. 114 points per game now. Which mm-hmm. is, that's pretty gnarly. It's a lot mm-hmm. of points. So, yeah. kind of. I think it's more fun this way. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment here. Uh, I'm sure you've already answered this question. <laughs> As I'm looking at my rundown, I'm like, there's no way you haven't answered this already. But it's here, so I'm going to ask you. Um, everybody's looking for the sixth seed. Is it possible? Can we get there? We've got Yakapurto. We've got momentum. Uh, we've won eight out of our last 10 games. Is that correct? Yep. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's possible? Where are you at on an optimistic, pessimistic level with this team? I do think it's possible. I think Miami, Atlanta, and Brooklyn, as far as the teams that are, and then lump Toronto in there, the teams that are most well-equipped to have like a really strong run, of play the raptors look like the best um atlanta is navigating a coaching change and some injuries and like underperforming and they also paid a lot to underperform like you know they Mm -hmm. traded four Mm -hmm. first round picks for Dejounte murray they changed their team they saw some of the players they traded excel elsewhere there's a lot of drama in that brooklyn i think was overrated after the trade because everybody was like they have so many those cool pieces from other teams and they're they're like the cool blogger team and then they just lost every game you know and and i don't think and while seeing those players succeed for their own personal goals is cool and they're a pretty fun watch it doesn't mean that um, they're gonna win games i think they'll be in the a play-in spot instead of the top six they're currently sixth new york has won six in a row or seven in a row i think the Raptors won't catch them, but Miami, Atlanta, these teams, even though the Raptors have a really tough stretch of play coming up, I think that's certainly conceivable that they could um, they could reach the sixth seed. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past them at all. Well, yeah, I mean, the Knicks have been doing so well. They've won their last seven games. If anything, they're going to catch up with Cleveland for the four or five spot. 
Um, it looks pretty likely that they'll face each other in the playoffs, and then it's going to be a battle for who gets home court advantage um, between those two teams. Um, I mean, it's possible that they could catch the Sixers, but I think the Sixers aren't going to fall off in any realistic way. I think they're probably solidly in the third spot. Um, Yeah, you know, like I was talking about this the other day uh, on COD, and I was more like, you know, I think realistically the Raptors are seventh or eighth in the play-in because the likelihood of all three of these teams, the Nets, the Heat, and the Hawks dropping off, didn't feel as likely to me. But then... You know, I think I was counting more on just like the Hawks having some sort of a coaching burst as what happens typically when you do bring in a new coach. And they did lose their first game with Quinn Snyder. It was it was a close game, at least, but they did lose. And I also just think they just haven't given him enough time with this group to really figure it out. I think it's kind of unrealistic to transform a team in 20 games or just over 20 games. I don't know why they didn't fire Nate McMillan uh, earlier in the season when they had the opportunity, when he had that incident with Trey Young. I think that was like late November, early December when that happened. Um, It should have happened then. Uh, There have been reports since the Quinn Snyder firing that the team and culture is just so toxic and Trey Young doesn't have a good relationship with the rest of the players on the team. So it is looking more and more likely that the Hawks are going to drop off here. Um, You know, I mean, it's possible that maybe they won't, but it's like if your star isn't liked by their other teammates, that's bad. Like if these guys don't want to play with him, I, I just I don't know how you overcome that. Yeah, it's that's tough. I mean, that's I think like untenable from a team building point of view. That isn't something you can really navigate if like the guy who is completely central to what you do. Like imagine if the Mavericks didn't like Luca. It's like you're telling me these guys don't like a dude and they're watching him use 40% of the possessions while he's on the floor. It's like, I don't know how you get around that or navigate that properly. And yeah, with Trey, you know, you're going to run into resentment, obviously, and that's going to compound the way that it does. And um, there's also other large egos on that team too uh, that – I wonder if that team doesn't have to be dismantled in some regard um, in the short-term future. Like yeah, I, I would say so. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Trey Young could easily be the next superstar traded. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like that's almost a, a safe bet to make at this point. Um, with, like you said, the Nets, they've lost their last four games. It's weird because they just have so many wins from before they blew up the team. Mm-hmm that's going to help them ride out the rest of the season. So it's like, even if, you know, they aren't playing as hard or something else happens with them, I just don't know how far they could drop off realistically. Um, But if they really go on like a lengthy losing streak here, I mean, four is pretty significant then who knows. And then the heat, I mean, we all know Lowry's not playing, you know, I don't really know what's happening with the heat. I still believe in Jimmy Butler, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he can turn it on, but yeah, there is a world I'm turning around. Like I was way more pessimistic a few days ago and I am turning around. I do think the Raptors can get the six seed. I think it's way more in reach than I initially thought. Cause I was just like, okay, there's only so many games left. 
all these teams are ahead of us, blah, blah, blah. But the East is just in a weird type of turmoil right now. And that would mean that we would face the 76ers. And I think we lose that series. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But I think we'd have hopefully a better showing than we did last year because we have a a proper starting center now. I think, well, it went to game six. I don't know if the Raptors would do better than a game six because James Harden is also healthier than he was last year. Yeah, but it's the quality of those six games because we we barely made it to a game six. Oh, yeah, we it was close. Right. Like we were almost swept and then had like two, you know, (laughs) fake fourth quarter run games. Fun games, though. Fun games. And yeah. then and then really like folded in that sixth game. But hopefully, mm-hmm. you know, those six, if those six games are more competitive than they were last year, considering like I, I was saying, considering where we were even a month ago is such a significant improvement for us. I feel like Raptors fans who weren't rooting for the tank should really be happy with that. Like, that is huge because we were 12th in the East for a long time. Yeah. It's plus you get another series of seeing Pascal try to problem solve as the number one option in a playoff series. You will hopefully get healthy Scotty Barnes in a playoff series, which yes, is true. That's, that's, that's all you really want at the start of an NBA career for somebody you perceive to be becoming a star is you want playoff reps, playoff possessions for them to kind of work through and go through. And that would be really healthy for Scotty's career, I think. And the Raptors, they have a ton of talent on the roster. Um, if they sort it out, like even just last game, right, you saw guys who typically play 38 minutes playing 34 minutes. You see like the bench playing more. The Raptors, they look like they have a very healthy eight-man rotation that they can play and operate with. In a, in a playoff series, whereas last year they weren't even eight deep, right? And so, you know, it's it should be really interesting to see. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sixth. I also wouldn't be surprised if they have, end up seven, eight, or nine because the schedule is pretty tough going uh-huh. in. I think seven or eight is the most likely, uh, I guess, sequence of events. But um, I do expect them in the playoffs. I wouldn't expect them to lose in the playoff or the in play the play-in, in. yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then if we were seventh, we would um, – well, currently that's the Celtics, but the Bucks and Celtics are pretty neck and neck for that first spot yeah. in the East, so it really could be either one. Um, yeah, do you have uh, any um, Will Barton thoughts? Will Barton joined our team a couple days ago. I think He's that, actually played. That's exciting. Yeah, I think that Will Barton probably won't move the needle much. I know people <laughs> there's like a version of Will Barton that a lot of fans will have seen will the thrill version of Will Barton dunk contest great cutter off of Nikola Jokic hits his threes some pick and roll possessions he similar to Scotty Barnes actually Will Barton used to be like one of the biggest no look passers in the NBA is something he loved particularly the no-look behind-the-back pass. So maybe we get a, a no-look, no-look link-up between Will and Scotty. But if he hits his threes at above 36% in the short amount of minutes that he plays, it's a win, I guess. But I wouldn't expect 
uh, a big impact defensively. I'd probably expect a, a bad impact defensively. And <laughs> I'd be very interested to see what his tertiary ball handling looks like because when he did play in the game, I thought it made sense that he was very eager to move the ball. He didn't want it to stick in his hands at all. And he didn't really have any shots in front of him. So he was just kind of out there going through the motions. And it'll be tough for the Raptors to incorporate him in this short amount of time so that he's like entrenched in a rotation spot and playing to his maximum capabilities because um, he's, he's aged a little bit. He's lost steps. He's um, you know, the skills are still there, but you have to be able to get to spots on the floor to maximize those skills. So um, I'm, I'm happy he got a contract. I'm happy he's getting paid. Um, I'm happy to see some minutes, but I wouldn't expect a lot from Will. I mean, I kind of saw him as the last attempt at an Otto Porter Jr. replacement. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have already contributed more <laughs> than Otto Porter Jr. this season. Not 100%. Uh, he might have, though, which is, you know, that's good. I, yeah, I mean, I wasn't as familiar with him in terms, like, in terms of like what his recent contributions are um if he's a negative on the defensive end i mean we're just not going to see him down the stretch to be honest because uh he needs to be like a decent three and d guy on this team i think to be uh, a significant part of the rotation like you said like shooting the three at least you know around 36 percent, but also just but someone who's playing like solid defense, because uh, if he's if he's a negative on the defensive end, like I just don't see why Nick Nurse would would continue to play him significant minutes. Mm-hmm. There's there's something that the Raptors do that other teams sometimes can't. And if the Raptors they're playing Pearl at center and one of Siakam or or Precious at the four, one of Scotty or Siakam Roji at the three and the two, like they get massive. And they can actually blanket and cover for a lesser defender. They've done this with Malachi in the past to kind of weaponize Malachi's shooting a little bit. Will Barton is bigger and length is important to kind of squeeze the floor uh, defensively. It makes passing angles harder. Um, Length links up and makes things more difficult. So if Will is like shooting the hell out of the ball and there's no guarantee that he will, he's, he's always been a good shooter but it's no guarantee that he'll come into a spot and shoot like 40%. But if he's shooting like 40% and he's 6'5", and the Raptors want to play him in some of their funky lineups as the guy who is like a release valve as a shooter and doesn't cripple them defensively in rotation because of his length, that seems like the most logical way forward rather than like an explosive guard who's giving you like extra possessions in the pick and roll and guarding at the point of attack. It's like, He'll have to be hidden defensively and he'll have to hit his threes on offense, which is could be an outcome that happens. Um, but I think it's just as likely that he doesn't get many minutes, probably. Right. Uh, Wancho Hernan Gomez is no longer part of our team. <sighs> uh, I don't, I, you, you seemed very bummed out about that. Um, did you like did you talk to him a lot? Did you know him well? No, I, I didn't know him well. But um, the guys liked him a lot. And anytime I did talk to him, he was cool. And he was, he also, anytime the Raptors were doing like community outreach stuff, he was always a favorite with like kids. And he's uh-huh. just, he's great guy. Um, he, it was from the moment he signed with the team. Uh, nurse 
Fred, Pascal, when everybody was like in the preseason when Wancho wasn't playing well at all, everybody's like, oh, he's not making the team. The team was like, we love what he brings. He's a like, great locker room guy. And so I love when good people uh, succeed at things. And Wancho, by all accounts, seemed like a great dude who was like great vibes. And his threes didn't fall. He shot 25% on his threes while he was here, which just I understand why the Raptors moved on from him. But he's a good guy. And so tough to see him go. But maybe he'll catch on somewhere else or maybe he'll be like, just an all-out star in a Spanish league for like five years now, something like that. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Curious to see uh, where he'll end up next. He was definitely a a fan favorite and we'll miss him for that for sure. Um, Okay. Samson, it is time for our now Raptors hottie highlight of the week. You must be so relieved. I finally changed the segment from the Nick Nurse hottie highlight to the Raptors hottie highlight. I did send that to you in an email, but I'm sure it made you smile. Mm-hmm. What yeah, do you I'm, think of this new change? I think that it's an improvement. I think, <laughs> I think that you've got more room for this segment now. You know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Mm-hmm. No kidding. Um, okay, very diplomatic answer. Good for you. Uh, the the hottie highlight of this week goes to Fred Van Vliet. He had his uh, new baby named Layla, his third child. Congratulations to them. Posted a very cute picture of him holding the three of them. Uh, you know, I just love how much of a, of a family guy Fred is. I mean, who knows? I mean, I, I'm if they're going to have more kids, I mean, three feels like a handful to say the least, but they, but they're an adorable family and we love seeing his kids around. And now we're going to have a new one. And now the question becomes, do we see new, new kid Fred Van Vliet reemerge with mm. this team? You know, everyone remembers when Fred Jr. was born and how he had this resurgence in our uh, classic playoff run towards, you know, our NBA championship. Do you see that for him now? I don't, but that's, <laughs> but that's okay. I think um, he was always pretty gracious about it, like leaning into the joke with everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, I... I've looked into this. I don't believe in the correlation. I think it was wow. just happenstance. Yeah. Although, wow. just from uh, uh, the perspective of seeing a guy be a dad, that's awesome. I think in my life, just for my goals and aspirations, I feel like I'll live. I'll have lived half a life if I don't have like a child and try and like impart my wisdom and the little that I have and try and be like a good father to some to to a kid or two um in my life and for people who bring people bring children into the world and do a good job of caring for them and supporting them i think that's you know it doesn't have to be for everybody but for the people that do and do it well um you're just doing a fantastic thing you and and malachi flynn (laughs) (laughs) yeah big shout out to all the procreators out there (laughs) yeah so, uh, yeah, anyway, good for Fred. Good for dad. Fred. Yeah. Um, that's great. Well, Samson, thanks so much for joining me uh, once again on the show. I do really appreciate it. We had a very nerdy NBA conversation this week, but but stuff I'm very interested in, at least. So I hope all our listeners are, too. I, hey, I hope so, too. I, um, I don't know if they'll care about 
the my Rexdale basement living at the start. I mean, I certainly. Oh, they'll so. care. They they for sure want to know everything about your personal life this if they again, can, because they're huge this, fans of you. Always this. It's never never <laughs> not this. Like you're incorrigible. It's like this is, me yeah. because yeah. because you can't handle compliments. So that, that's it. what makes it fun to compliment you and yeah, to remind yeah. you how many people love you. No, I see this. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> I hope people enjoyed the episode. I feel like we have a good rapport. Hopefully people. Yeah. Like that. You know, we, we have the uh, chemistry building. This is episode number three. Mm -hmm. like, you know, we're almost we, we're building more. Maybe we can almost on episode four start making callbacks to earlier episodes and maybe people will be like nice you know right callbacks to to your basement to your to your love of people who procreate. No. your love of people who procreate yeah mm -hmm. well they run the world they run the world <laughs> yeah. all procreators uh, are queens <laughs> We should make that the social media clip this week. No, I don't. <laughs> no, because like I've been couching it within the the proper context. No, you know? I know, I know. Don't worry, we wouldn't actually do that to you. Oh. But <laughs> uh, for people who I, I imagine all our listeners are already following you, but just in case, like, let us know what you're up to. Let us know if there's anything you're working on that people could look forward to. Anything coming up? Anything of the sort? Um, you can follow me at Twitter at it's me underscore Catherine. I do <laughs> comedy writing. If you want to watch any of the shows, I have left an indelible mark on history for my contributions to Mr. D, which <laughs> Samson folk watched and loved. I, that show was, I found it so funny. I know everybody was like corner gas is great, but I was like, Mr. D is the like, the mountaintop of Canadian. That means a lot. That sounds like it was a real hot debate in Saskatchewan. I didn't debate it with anybody. I got, like I yelled it through cupped hands at people. Okay, anyway, me, I write about comedy. I do comedy. Uh, you should come watch some of my shows. Uh, <laughs> and good luck getting a ticket, though, as I have so many fans. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that's me. At it's me underscore Catherine. Just keep up with me on Twitter. Well, thank you again, Samson. Much appreciated. And I think I handled that compliment just a little better than you did. <laughs> yeah, something <laughs> I, I work on. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's great. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.